Hey guys, my name's Echo Kellum. I play Curtis Hall, aka Mr. Terrific, on CW Arrow, and you're listening to Neil Before Pot. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Welcome to another inhumanly accurate episode of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that periodically comes to you from the future. I'm your host Craig and it's time to discuss the seventh and sadly penultimate season of Arrow. So joining me, he's either from a dark future or from the present that's leading to the dark future, uh, we don't know, it's Chris. Hello. Hello, welcome to this whatever timeline we're happening to sit in right now. Who knows? Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I mean, is it more sepia toned? Is it more colourful? Uh, that's the differentiating factor. It's more audiolicious, uh, deep and bassy, and uh, I'm loving it. Yeah, and there's. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> before we get on to what that means. Uh, <laughs> before, before we go too far into that mind. Yeah. We shall start with our award winning Neil Before Rise Against segment. <laughs> I don't know what award it's won, but I can be self-imposed. So, as the non-host, hit us with your first kneel before. I am going to kneel before the uh, the news that the Avengers uh, spin-off Falcon and the Winter Soldier could feature two more MCU characters. It's going to potentially feature, potentially feature, uh, Peggy Carter and Zemo is potentially going to pop up think, as well. I think what you mean is uh, Sharon Carter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sharon Carter. <laughs> How did I manage to read that? I'm reading the note here and I'm like, yeah, Peggy Carter's niece, Sharon. So let's go with Sharon Carter. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so it's potentially going to uh, feature Sharon Carter and uh, Zemo. I thought that was uh, confirmed. In I didn't there. think it was a potential. I thought it was actually. All oh, right. Okay. Well, potentially it is. Uh, let's go for that. I'm reporting it as potentially. Um, so that I avoid any disappointment if it is not actually a thing. The show notes will answer the real question, I guess. Uh, That's good. As far as I'm whether Chris has made up his news potentially or not, <laughs> I'm rise again. So I'm just going to make something up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, this is this is my Neil before. I, I like the sound of some of these uh, little Disney uh, spin-offs. Uh, I think if they're getting a bit of budget behind them and they're pulling different people in, then do you know what? It shows that they've probably got a bit of confidence in them. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing this one in particular. Uh, it's one that's got my interest. Yeah, I was about to make a comment about this being a Falcon TV show, but then I realised that it's a spoiler for Endgame, and it's it's, it's perhaps what? Uh, yeah, it's perhaps perhaps still not allowed to do that. <laughs> I mean, the, the internet seems to have decided that it is now completely okay to the point where people are sharing pirated clips of it quite openly all over the place. However, yeah, we're going to go no spoilers. Yes. If you want, you can listen to a fantastic spoilerific podcast right here on Neil Before Pod. 
you can and it's uh, it's really good it's somewhere around about where this audio is right now yeah so once you've finished listening to this one go and listen to that one if you've not yeah. already it's a long to it. one but it's a good <laughs> one yeah i mean sit down with like a lot of coffee like i mean a lot of coffee it's our first full q and a podcast i didn't actually go out for questions on this one because we're trying a new format but uh if you listen to the flash one that may or may not be up by now yeah you would know what that new format we're trying is and this is our second stab at it but i digress it's it's too early for that uh yes daniel brule zemo wasn't a huge fan of zemo in civil war but Maybe they can do more with them. They can probably do more with them on television and, and give you more of it. Sharon Carter, uh, she's a big deal in the comics, not so much in the films. So, cool. Get to see more of her. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, give them something to do. Why not? Um, it, it seems like they are making it proper MCU-adjacent stuff. But it isn't just that. We've got news on, potential news on the, the WandaVision one, which sounds like my favourite already so i think it's a wanda goes crazy and just starts creating realities where she's like hooked up with the vision and various stuff so you've got like (laughs) 1950s sort of nuclear family type scenario you've got like a friends sitcom thing a modern sitcom thing and stuff like that so uh that could be mental (laughs) and fun and the loki one is kind of awesome yeah and the loki one is apparently turning up throughout history and being influential uh so that's fun that could be interesting. So yeah, I'm here for the spin-offs. Uh, th- these Disney streaming ones. Uh, us at Neil Before Blog or and Pod will probably be discussing setting up some kind of a Disney streaming syndicate so that we don't have to pay full price for it between all of us and can just... Yeah, everybody contributes a small amount of money and we get to enjoy this wealth of content that can we, that can we get, then that we can then bore your ears off by talking about. So there's a there's a promise or a threat, you decide. So anything else on Falcon? No, no, that's it. Just, that's uh, it. Apart from me making a, a mess of the names. I'm <laughs> fine. <laughs> Peggy Carter? Oh my god, this Peggy is... Carter's gonna be in it. Yeah. Hey, there's the fake maybe news element of it. Yeah, yeah maybe she is. Maybe, maybe I've got is. there first with the story, despite yeah. the fact it's not there. Anyway. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna kneel before. Uh John Wick Chapter 4 has been announced. It's going to come in 2021. Uh, you may or may not have heard me talk about John Wick Chapter 3 being one of my favourite things this year on the Detective Pikachu podcast. It honestly depends on which one of these I publish first. So if if you haven't heard the... Det- if the Detective Pikachu one doesn't exist by the time you listening to that one, then it's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. And if you have... And if it does exist and you have listened to it, or haven't listened to it, we do have a special guest on there that I won't spoil. Yeah, but, yeah, we shouldn't mention the special guest, actually. You've got, to listen, you've got to listen to hear the special guest. Oh, yes. Yes, the special guest. I'm just going to... I'm not going to say anymore. Uh, but John Wick Chapter 4, it's going to be another couple hours of uh, brutal, really satisfying Keanu Reeves violence, and I'm here for it until they decide to stop making them. I really want to see the the new film. I've not had the chance to see it yet. Um, if you listen to the other podcast where it's mentioned, I still haven't seen it on that podcast either. Uh, so it's, especially since it was in the past. Especially since it was in the past. However, this is in the future. However, that may also be in the future. And at the point <laughs> of that, I may still not have heard it. Isn't, isn't time travel tricky? Um, so... 
uh, yeah, I, I really want to see it. It's uh, it's on my list for well, hopefully this week, maybe into the weekend, I might get to go and see it. So yay, yay, finally okay. films. <laughs> but yeah, del- delighted that they're they're doing a fourth. If if the the current one is as good as I am being told, then I am glad they are doing a fourth. Nothing else to say. I mean, they're just making a fourth one. So there's nothing, no more details. I assume Keanu Reeves will be in it. That's about it. Uh, Okay, next up, Rise Against. Shoot. Shoot. Uh, I'm going to go for one that I don't think I've complained about yet, but I'll go for it anyway. Uh, Downton Abbey, the movie. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Well, it's had a trailer. Uh, it's picking up the story in uh, I think it's 1927 um, yeah I just I, I have no interest in this whatsoever Therefore, are you or were you a against. fan of, of uh, Downton Abbey before? nope I wasn't even a fan of that either so nope not for me um, I just I, I don't get it it's like you go okay yeah we've finished it we've finished it on a really nice note we've done all these seasons of telly and this is the point that we've decided we're going to finish it and we're going to do this. All right, no, 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 we're going to have a cash grab and we're going to do a movie. Bring it in. <laughs> Bring it in, guys. Bring down the truck of money. Um, okay, it's... Do you know what? There'll be folk that will absolutely love it. I know it was quite popular when it was on, just not my particular cup of tea. Yeah, I'm going to show my ignorance here. I know nothing about Downton Abbey. I just know it's about, like... I don't know, is it like the aristocracy and I guess, the late 1800s or, or early 1900s? I think it's posh people and their servants, isn't it? It's just sort of upstairs, upstairs, downstairs yeah. of. Like, so, yeah. So clearly, it had some appeal that was that I don't understand because I know nothing about the show. But maybe someone can fill me in uh, on on why it's popular because I'd be interested because it's one of those things you know you hear about things that you wouldn't expect to be popular being popular, but it's because there's a specific thing about it. Maybe they do character drama really well, or maybe, maybe it's just people being polite to one another, or maybe it's like the, you know, yeah. <laughs> a reminder of much simpler times when everyone yeah. knew their place. Yeah. Well, I know that, yeah. I know the Jane Austen stories, they have their appeal because they just assume everyone's being bitchy, um, <laughs> so, but they're being bitchy in really posh circumstances. So it'd be like, yeah. Oh, I can't believe you don't have a husband yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or or I would think a woman like you would land a better husband. You know, I mean that is just that's not even passive aggressive. That's just aggressive. Yeah, I mean, you're I just going full on there. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I don't know. They, but they have little digs at each other. But it's really posh, and everyone's in big flowery dresses, and they're out at a garden party <laughs> where it never rains. And oh my god, I had to read Jane Austen at school. It was horrible. <laughs> but I was told that I was told that one way I could enjoy it is by assuming it was by just reading it as if everyone was being bitchy to one another. And that didn't help. Still boring. Sorry, Jane Austen fans. The only the only Jane Austen thing I seem to have enjoyed was a, in a Legends of Tomorrow episode that we will definitely discuss fairly soon. Uh, but that is a story for another day. So, Downton Abbey the movie, you're not feeling it? No. No. Okay. Well, my rise against is going to be, apparently, the Wachowskis are working on a new Matrix film. Uh, uh. Why do we need this? We had... We had one of them, and then they decided not to make any more, which I thought was great of them. Uh, yeah, there's one Matrix film, and we don't need others. Yep, they, they they did that one, and they did nothing else after that, and for that we were grateful because, you know, we all thought that if they did any others after that, it would maybe spoil it, so thankfully they didn't. 
Great. So, uh, so yeah, a second, a second Matrix film is unnecessary. Yeah, we don't need a second Matrix film. No. Uh, it's like when we they left leave the, it. It's like when they left the Mummy franchise after the Mummy Returns and didn't make a third one. That was nice of them as well. It was uh, a good choice. It yeah, was a good choice. Very good choice. <laughs> so, I don't want another Matrix film. Is what I'm saying. I don't care what their idea is. I just don't want it. I, I just think it's it's uh, with the first one they came up with a great idea. They ran with it. It was good. It was almost certainly meant to be a one-off kind of thing. They maybe had tons of time to plan the first one, really good time to write it, and uh, what came after, or maybe didn't, (laughs) wasn't as good. So, yeah. Out of curiosity, yeah, sure, I kind of want to know what they're planning to do, I don't necessarily want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've had an idea of how it could go. Okay, tell me. Where do you think it would go? Okay, stop now. I'll save you the time. <laughs> it's like well, that's, wasn't that a great thought experiment that yeah. we don't have to do anything about? Yeah, it was yeah. like, I, I'm glad I'm glad that you, you, you thought about that, but I think I've saved you quite a bit of time here. Uh, don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what you could, I, I don't know if it's sort of playing on the fact, and you know, you get stories like this at the moment because Keanu Reeves, you know, we've mentioned is in the films and stuff at the moment. So then it brings people back to the Matrix and then they go, okay, well, you know, let's tell everyone we're working on an idea just now and float, float it out there and see see if someone bites, see if a studio nibbles on this. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It, it seems that kind of thing for it to be in the news at the moment is awfully suspicious. Um, anyway. That's maybe me just being a bit too PR heavy on it. No, no, paranoia is a good thing on this podcast. (laughs) Prepare for the worst. Failure to prepare is preparing to fail, as someone said. I don't know who said that. Let's go with Oliver Queen. (laughs) It sounds like something he would say. It sounds like something he would say. But he would be like much more soft spoken and more and more convincing than I was. So that brings us naturally on to our topic of discussion Arrow season. Seven. Penultimate season, as it turns out. So we only have ten episodes left. Sad face. Uh, I'm going to ring the spoiler arrow or whatever it is now, because, again, we're toiling with our new format, the Neil Before Rise Against Recycle, as I'm going to call it. So we're just going to try and Neil Before and Rise Against parts of the season, and then hopefully we will uh, cover a good cross-section of everything that needs to be discussed. That is the plan. So, why don't you start us off with something... Oh, no. Let's do the spoiler klaxon first. There it was. Uh, okay, why don't you start us off with something negative? Give us your first rise. First rise against... I don't know whether it is to go in with like a big, <laughs> big hit right away. Uh, or, or, or to dance around it. Um... Okay, I'm I'm just going to jump right in. Actually, I'm just sod it. Let's go for it. Um, I'm I'm going to go with Emiko uh, as my rise against uh, for this uh, thing. I did not enjoy a lot of the Emiko stuff over this the the, the latter half of the season. Um, I don't understand... Like, I know that Oliver is the main character and everything like that, 
but the amount of surprise relations, sisters, uh, odd odd fiancés, I'm I'm just waiting for a clone to turn up now at this point. <laughs> that already's <it's>... happened. <laughs> the Nazi version of him, don't you forget? Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, we've already had other Earth version. I'm waiting for genuine clone, like someone in a lab has stolen some of his hair and has decided to grow themselves an Oliver Queen. Well, he does bleed over a lot of things. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like inevitable that eventually his DNA is going to form consciousness somewhere. And I'll, we're on in these weird labs that they keep exploring. But yeah, I mean, the I I don't understand the connection that Oliver felt to Amico of the oh you're you're my sister okay I'll accept you're you're my sister and all the ties that come with that I will now trust you inherently and in whatever you say I do not think you could ever possibly wish me wrong there is no way that I am ever going to regret this decision to completely open up and let you in. I have the feeling that it's one of these lessons that Oliver just never seems to learn. And I didn't get the payoff that I'm assuming the writers were wanting at the season finale. I I just... Because they kept flip-flopping between sort of cackling villain that wanted to murder everyone to... um, oh yeah, the whole reason that you're in this mess is because I, I could have stopped the sabotaging of the boat. The amount of people that are responsible for this boat sinking now, oh, no. I don't know, we should start forming a bloody list, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, we've got there's, a, there's a supporters there, group. Got, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like on the day that boat was about to set sail, they were queuing up behind a rope to like take different chunks out the bottom of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was just the amount of people that are responsible for that boat now. Uh, so... <laughs> The, the the payoff at the end just wasn't there for me this season. I I think she could have been any assassin. She could have been any archer. I think the turnaround of going from being like a new Green Arrow to turning out to be a villain would have been just as much of an arc as the, oh, oh and by the way, I'm not just copying what you did. I'm actually your sister. Oh, no, I'm actually a villain and I hold you responsible, but now I don't anymore. Yeah, yeah, it just didn't. It didn't have that that payoff for me. Don't get me wrong; there were moments, there were scenes, there were things that I I did like out there. You know, they didn't go the whole season with me hating every single second of it. It just didn't have the payoff by the end where I was expecting it to go. It just didn't, and I didn't really feel anything about it. So I liked Emiko in the main. I think I liked her better when she was introduced. Because you had that whole idea of, oh, God, I've got another sister. What's going on here? <laughs> uh, so, oh, great. Well, I mean, they already, we've already had Oliver make peace with the fact that his dad actually not that good a person. He's kind of a bad guy, you know, and, and the fact that he abandoned Emiko's mother as well as her is an extension of that. And you see these kind of little bits and pieces that start to give you a bit of insight into her motivation where she she goes to him with a legitimate business proposal one that seems very good and designed to turn a profit and can't fail and he's like i can't i can't hire you to do this i'm giving the company to oliver it's like why are you giving it to him and it's like well because it's his inheritance ah oh, he's not interested but he's getting it and it's like what a scumbag you are like you're just horrible and mm. I kind of wanted to kill him in that moment and so <laughs> but it's it's that kind of thing about 
you know, Robert has favoured one family over the other and he just wrongs this other family and, and throws them aside. Um, so that, and then Emiko's mother dies uh, because because of Dante, which was messy, but, um, and she ends up blaming Robert and then, by extension, Oliver. And she can't see past Robert to get to Oliver. Although when she dies, she kind of does, uh, which doesn't work because they haven't done enough work to to establish that kind of level of doubt. Um, the things I don't understand about Emiko is when Dante raised her, essentially, she somehow became his boss. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Uh, just gloss over that. Um, and then he, she kills him as well. And she also manages to um, run this year's clandestine organisation. And how many of them had to know? You know, we've had the longbow hunters, we've had uh, the ghosts, we've now we've got the ninth circle. I mean, there's a lot. Uh, oh, let's not forget the League of Assassins. Uh, we've got the, like, we've got the occasionally evil Bratva as well. Yeah, the Bratva. <laughs> like, how many hidden organisations have we got here? Like, I suppose Argus even count, even though they're a mm-hmm. government agency, but they're kind of secret. They're more secret than I don't know other stuff. Uh, there's probably some version of the DEO on this earth as well. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Just doesn't have Superman or Supergirl working for it. Uh, or Martian Manhunter. Um, so that didn't quite stack up. But I, th- I think when they introduced her, it was really good. Because they did this whole mirror of season one thing with her becoming her own version of the Green Arrow. Uh, with her own mission. And um, teaming up with Renee. That was really strong. I think the... And then there was, it just seemed like any issues she had with Oliver over their father could be ironed out until she just becomes a villain later on, uh, which yeah, didn't really work, as I've said. But I liked um, I liked when they revealed her as the Green Arrow, although for some reason, as soon as the audience knew she stopped wearing the full face mask, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's now that now the you it's, know. <laughs> it's just the hood and the domino mask, that's enough now. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, no, 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 you had a practical version of the costume that doesn't show your face and now you're just going against it because we, the audience, now know. Because I suppose if we'd saw like, feminine features would have worked out almost immediately. Uh, no, I get where you're coming from, though, and I think it's easy to see like what she becomes at the end of the show. But I think they were doing some good stuff early on. And it's a shame that they didn't really know what they were doing because it felt like she was two characters. You know, first of all, she was the cast-off child that felt upset because she was a cast-off child. And then she was like murderous villain with the resources of some ancient organisation behind her. How did, how did this happen? How did she climb at the top of that organisation? I don't know. I mean, it seemed like it, that that was there. Like, d- yeah, d- don't, don't question it. We did this to surprise you because you wouldn't have guessed this. And are you surprised? Of course you are. And you go, okay, yeah, I'm surprised, but it's because... I don't believe this would have happened. Um, it's yeah, she's she's got into this organization, but like I say, it's like it seems that they could almost have done the the duplicate Green Arrow arc and had Renee being completely disappointed that it turned round to the to the fact that oh, she was actually doing this to to take down Oliver and the team even more, and actually, it turns out she's part of this clandestine organization. Yeah. I I I just didn't get the the sister plot as much. I know it means that she's got to have the 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 personal tie to Oliver and I think it's Diggle in the final episode that says something like, Oh, this is worse than Diaz, worse than Yeah. All these others because she's got a you know 
you know, she's really gunning for you. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure the rest of them were gunning for Oliver as well. I think at the end of every season, the person really wants to kill or get to Oliver. Um, I'm pretty sure one of them blew up an entire island the other season. Uh, so it's, you know, I'm just saying, it's like, I think they've all got an edge there, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think if she'd been part of that organisation... And if she'd been the, the representative of that organisation, you know, having her kill Dante after she finds out that he killed her mother, fine. But having her be the representative of that organisation and then it's still out there and she's dead. That's pr- I mean, it is still out there now that she's dead, but she's still the boss of it. And I just don't understand how that happens because she's, what, 22 years old or something like that? Like, that's some resourcefulness. And even then she gets taken out by, like, a random underling as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is There's hints from what the other person says of, oh, the, the, the other people are not quite happy, you know. Yeah. I don't know. The, exe- the executive board have <laughs> are not happy. The shareholders are upset. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We've been told to do a management reshuffle, and you're going. Yeah. Uh, it just, like, yeah, I don't... I don't quite get that because you don't really see much of, oh, she's actually reporting to other people the whole time in it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that that was my, uh, that was my take on it. I know it's, I, I went for the heavy one first. <laughs> get no, that no, out of the way. <laughs> for my first meal, I'm going to go for something that's probably equally heavy, but also very, very self-contained. Uh, it's the manifestation of Tommy that represents essentially Oliver's conscience in that episode. Uh, you know, where the bombs have went off and somehow none of them die. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and they're all trapped under rubble and have to kind of figure a way out. But for Oliver, he never regains consciousness until the end because this manifestation of Tommy is is guiding him. So it's just after he's found out that Emiko let, his, let the, the boat sink, um, whether she was responsible for it or not is, I guess, up for debate. Form a Q. <laughs> yeah, form a Q. Yeah, there'll be someone else next year. Uh, Oliver will end up planting the bombs or something because he has to create his own, like, he has to create himself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's that's going to happen, isn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> it's going to turn out that they could have avoided it the whole time and then Oliver, yeah. like, steers them into the, into the waves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, so this was really strong. It happened just after uh, he was all but ready to give up on Emiko and he was ready to kill her. And he was like, I'm going to kill her. And this show's always had a bit of a complicated relationship with lethal force. Um, I mean, Oliver's weapon, primary weapon, is a lethal one, but, you know, he shoots in the shoulder or whatever. Uh, so it's always had a complicated relationship. But they reached a kind of point in season five where it was almost a case-by-case basis. Should I kill this guy? Yeah, probably. I could get away without killing this guy. But Oliver was out for blood in that episode and he was almost returning to that kind of season one bloodthirsty Oliver Queen that, you know, he was trying to get away from and um and it's a reminder that he will always struggle with that. He will never be like this paragon of virtue that he aspires to because that darkness will always be creeping up on him and it just takes the right trigger to to push him over the edge so what you have is this version of Tommy who's like no no give in to the better part of yourself offer Emiko that second chance like don't be don't or at least don't sink to her level and I really like the sort of imagery of every time 
with Oliver in that mindset, he made the problem worse because it was obviously it wasn't it wasn't real rubble, you know, that he was shooting at or whatever. But every time he fired an explosive arrow with, um, you know, with hate in his heart, I guess what a cheesy line that is. Uh, it made the situation worse. It made more of the the structure collapse because he wasn't in his right mind. It, he didn't have the capacity to escape, and then, um, and it gets to the point where in his fantasy he does kill her. And it creates all those, and it creates that other problem, you know, and um, and the fact that Tommy is there just representing that best part of himself, I thought it was great, and it was great to see Colin Donnell again. It was great to see them interact, and I love that as soon as he accepted, no, I'm going to rise above this. I'm going to be the better person. He wakes up. I I really liked that sort of manifestation. Um... I thought it was quite neat. I mean, Arrow isn't always known for its subtlety. None but of them I are, think let's face it. <laughs> none of them are. Well, yeah, that's true, to be honest. It's not really known for its subtlety, but I thought that was a really nice touch. You've, you've summarised it really nicely. I think me trying to, to gloss over it will just be a, <laughs> an absolute <laughs> shambles. So, yeah, totally agree with you. Really like that element. Always nice seeing Tommy back, especially the thing is this season and... After, and you know massively for the next season has kind of changed in my head slightly when they said oh well this is the second last one this is it this is fishing yeah. up so i think it's a really nice touch to get tommy in that way i don't know if that's the reason that they did it um potentially it is um we'll talk about future stuff in a bit but yeah yeah i thought i thought that was a nice way of doing it um Interesting that that's who he goes to for like a moral compass in his head. I thought that was quite interesting, but yeah, uh, good. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I suppose Tommy has always represented a more innocent time for him because he was his friend when he was this decadent. Uh, mm. Well, I'm not going to say amoral. That's the wrong word. But he, he was this decadent, you know, asshole rich guy. You know, they were they were both in that together, and the. Well, Tommy became a much better person in season one when, you know, his dad cut him off and threw Laurel and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and yeah, when he found out that Oliver's the Green Arrow, he kind of held him to account for his actions. And then, and I remember um, the second part of Barry's first appearance in Arrow in season two, uh, Three Ghosts, which is still one of the strongest episodes of the season. And it's where Oliver is trying to resolve an inner turmoil and he sees three ghosts. So he sees Shadow, he sees Slade, who's not dead uh, at that point, and, <laughs> and then he sees Tommy. But still has a ghost. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, as far as Oliver's concerned, he's dead and it's all in his head. So fine, we're allowed that. Uh, and then Tommy's the last one. And Tommy's the one that says, you are a hero. Get back up and win this fight. And he gets a back up and he wins the fight. And so Tommy's there, or his, in his head, Tommy is that guy that points him in the right direction and keeps him right. And and it's always going to be that that failure for him as well, the failure to save him, the failure to get there in time. Um, and so there's a bit of guilt attached to his appearance. So it's like I've got my I've got the ghost of my best friend guilting me or making me feel guilty about a decision I'm about to make as well. So there's a bit of that. So. I think that dynamic is is great. You know, it's obviously a subconscious chooses that because it's the most, it's the clearest factor in his head as to, to what he should do next and how he should behave and the person he should be. And uh, maybe we'll get to see that one more time. 
before before it's all curtains for curtains for Oliver. Uh, I think potentially we will. Yeah, but it was a nice touch. It was a really nice exploration of of Oliver's conflict, uh, and I like it when they acknowledge the fact that it doesn't matter how hard he works, doesn't matter how much he changes, doesn't matter how much he grows. There will always be that niggle inside him that that keeps him, you know, that that beholds him to violence, beholds him to that behaviour, and that's that's good because it is character development. But at the same time, it's not forgetting where you came from. So there that is. So any more on Tommy, two Tommy appeared. No, I think that's. I think you've covered it very well. Sure. So give us a Neil. Give us a Neil. Um. I'll go back to something that we talked about at the at the beginning of the season, to be honest, because I keep forgetting that these <laughs> these things go on for so long. They were <laughs> the mid-season break, and then I suddenly look back and I go, oh yeah, that was the season. It feels like it was a completely different season ago. The, the prison stuff at the beginning of this season, which I, I thought they did really, really well with. Um... I've got to know before it's part of this entire season thing because mm-hmm. I think they did it really, really well. Like like I said earlier on, I forget it is part of the season. Um, it, it sort of stood apart, was really strong, introduced some good characters in it. Um, they did it for longer than I thought they were going to, which I think I covered in the mid-season, really. Uh, so I won't go over everything that I said back then. But yeah, I think overall they did really, really well with that. I enjoyed it as a as a bit, and I think it it helped split this season up. Where I think if it had all been, uh, oh, who's this strange green arrow that's floating about, and who is all this, I think it it would have been far too. Um, it would have felt far too long. It would have felt far too long on uh, one villain or one slow build plot. Whereas I think the prison stuff actually separated it out a lot this season and brought on. Uh, interesting uh, character development uh, also led to to one of the other things that I'm going to kneel before later on, so I'll mention that in a different bit. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part of the season. Yeah, the prison stuff was good. We discussed it. I wouldn't say at length, uh, length in the mid-season, but close but, enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, no, it was good because what it did was it played with the formula of the show in really interesting ways. So as I said back then, you still have Team Arrow wandering into a warehouse with Felicity on a keyboard in, in some other location. But it was like, they're working with the FBI, they're working with Argus, they're working with blah, blah, blah. You know, it's um, it changes things up a bit. It also made the team come together without Oliver kicking about, and there was all these different issues. And the stuff inside the prison was, was great as well. Uh, Oliver's struggle to, to remain good within the prison. And, you know, you give a bronze tiger... Uh, I forget his real name, Ben something, uh, an opportunity to develop. You get a bit of um, Vinnie Jones kicking about and, and so on. You know, and they, they had this kind of little community built up in there uh, that worked really well. Uh, some great fight scenes, some really dark storytelling. Uh, what I would say, though, is like I thought they were setting up this initial... This, issue where Oliver has seen the inside of the system that he commits people to when he arrests them. So when he brings them down and they go to prison, this is what he's throwing them into. He's experienced that. He knows how corrupt it is. He knows how problematic it is. Yet he still lets it happen. And they, I was hoping they would explore the morality of that, but they didn't. 
That's true, actually. I did think that it would maybe change his insight a little bit from him being inside, but... Yeah. It's no wonder these people come out worse. And they've <laughs> probably made alliances against me because they're being treated so poorly in prison. Yeah, it's like a networking session, yeah. a, a, an Arrow Survivors support group yeah. is going on in there. Yeah. They're just going to get brutally treated in prison and then they'll come out and they'll form a, some kind of consortium to bring me down. Yeah. But other than that, it was great. Yeah, I fully agree. I think the, the prison arc will be, you know, when we do our full series retrospective, I guess, in December or so, it'll be that'd be one of the things that we, I think we, we speak of very favourably at the time. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to jump to Arise because I haven't got a one in that column uh, at all. Uh, so, right, I'm going to rise against failing to really develop the SCPD conflict with Team Arrow. So you had this point where they were all deputised. So they were legitimised, which was really cool. And you had this one episode where they had to work together with the police and follow their procedures. And they were essentially just a... An assi- they were they were basically like the SWAT team, but with bows and arrows. Uh, and there was an anim- animosity between them because Team Arrow operate in a certain way, the police operate in a certain way, and they kind of come to blows over it. Well, not quite blows, but they they mm. argue about it. And it's it's the standard argument. It's the this is the law, but we get results <laughs> argument. You know, it's the, it's that one. Yeah. Um, it's the every Arnie movie where he plays a cop ever made, or every cop movie in the nineties or eighties ever made. You know, where it's uh, you're too you're too reckless, but I get results. Um, yeah. yeah, we can't so, do it this way. I'm not doing that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so they should have played with that a bit more. I mean, I did like that the Oliver was trying to be the reasonable one. That was cool, you know, where he was like, right, okay, we're not used to operating this way, but let's give it a go, guys. It'll just take some adjustment time. And then Oliver goes and, like, and he goes and infiltrates somewhere on his own or goes and beats someone up. I think he interrogates someone. Yeah, he interrogates someone, and then the information, they can't use it because it was tortured out of them. (laughs) And you can't, and, you know, torture evidence is inadmissible in court and all that stuff. So Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah crap usually usually they just admit to it and I stick an arrow in them and then go kill their boss so can't do that this time uh, and it, there was so there was definite potential there but they kind of dealt with it and it was like oh yeah we'll just uh, we'll operate out of the bunker and we're allowed to do whatever we want so how did you get from there to there <laughs> you know it's yeah, I can't remember what the wording was, but it wasn't like a special task force or something like that that gives them a bit of jurisdiction, but not the you know they've got they are part of the police, but they're not yeah under so the same. It was a weird. I can't remember what the wording was that was in there to basically opt it out. I liked. I actually had it down as a kneel before for me, like them working in conjunction with the police and learning sort of the struggle for them to do stuff within the law was that, kind of down as one fine, of my nails. What they really needed was a strong police-centric character. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Who, the, who's not Dinah. Yeah, I mean, they had... They had... And I, I don't even know what the character's name was. I can't remember. Who was sort of... Yeah. The sergeant guy who was training them and then would turn up every once in a while to be really disapproving and not yeah. happy with the way things were going. And I thought 
at some point they were going to push more on that. I think as soon as they opted out and they went, oh no, they can work from the bunker, I was like, okay, well, they're not going to do anything with that anymore because yeah. they've just got free reign. You know, you kind of you kind of need them being spoken down to every time that they come back. You needed a boss above Dinah rather than, oh yeah, it's it's me and then the mayor, the mayor's office. <laughs> yeah. You know, you kind of needed someone else there that was taking them to account. I, I liked where they started with it, and that's why I put it down as a Neil before. Um, I didn't get enough uh, around about the final few episodes where it was the conflict between them and the police. Mm. I get... Because in the the future timeline, which we've not really spoken about yet, you get the the documentary about um, why uh, vigilantes are awful and how it all went wrong and yeah. why they had to go underground because there was just yeah some of the, you know essentially them going oh this this experiment they did where they deputized them went horribly wrong mm-hmm. despite the fact it wasn't necessarily their fault and was kind of a bit of propaganda and you you would think that if they if it if they were building for it to be that serious and that bad. I think it needed to happen a good few episodes back than the last couple. Yeah. You needed to see that decline. All the way from that interrogation that Oliver did, the decline needed to start and keep rolling from there. Yeah. It needed to keep going wrong and then it build up and then it go. Or or them keep getting framed for stuff. Yeah. All the way through. You know, and that I think would have worked. I don't think that in the final few episodes going, oh, but people have turned up with arrows in them and it's like, oh yeah, because there's never been an evil archer in this city before <laughs> that isn't Oliver. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, because of course everyone with an arrow in them, oh, but they look like yours. Oh yeah, because no one's copied these arrows before. Come on. <laughs> it's like, they, we have seen this seasons ago where there were copycat killings and there were people trying to frame him for murder. Surely we're not at that point now. You know? yeah. Uh, we had, uh, we, yeah, we had Malcolm Merlin, we had... Uh, Rachel Gould was given it a go at one point. We had um, Prometheus. We had those, all those arrow wielding killers that happened to turn up after Sarah's first death. Uh, <laughs> you know, we just yeah. There's there's quite a lot of arrow wielding maniacs out there. So yeah, yeah. You can't just accuse Oliver right away. You have to bear this in mind. Yeah, it's like they they arrived and then and then there was arrows in them. Now, granted, granted, in the what was it the second last episode? Yeah, or was it the third last? The second last episode, where they basically cover up a murder. Yeah. Um, that I I was surprised at the way that plot went, but yeah, it went weirdly from. Yeah, okay, this is the end of like our your involvement with the police too. No, that's all right. No, it's all right. Uh, we're continuing on. Um, oh, by the way, we've been lying. Uh, the consequences aren't there. It's all due to the, the bloodlust mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that, that, that makes it okay. Oh, and by the way, you can hang about with us for the rest, <laughs> for the yeah. final episode. And it was kind of like, oh, I, don't, I don't get why this wouldn't be like, okay, you've got to go somewhere really quiet and relax. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's how you get to the island, by the way. It's that boat there. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, and by the way, if you don't want to go on, you'll be unconscious on the boat on the island. 
Um, so I don't know. It, it, it took directions that I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, overall, I've put it down on mine as a Neil before. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know if this counts as ticking it off as a Neil before, but it's down there as a Neil before anyway. Well, you've, you've, count, you've, you've come up with a counter to my point, so, yeah, fine. It's not that I didn't like all of it. I just think that it was mm. there was more to it than, than they let happen, and... And I, I agree. I agree with you with it. I, I just came further down on the other side. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on the documentary itself, I think the documentary was a fascinating idea. And when the episode started, I was like, "Oh man, is this going to be a whole documentary?" You know, I changed the title card for the mm. review and everything. You know, the it was. But then they just kept cutting to, you know, the private conversations that you shouldn't see because you're following a documentary crew. Uh, which made which lifted me out of the documentary actually. So the thing is, there were scenes set inside Argus. Why are they letting bloody cameramen in there? Like documentary filmmakers in Argus? It's, it's a bloody secret organization. Well, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a government organization. But yeah, it's like I don't know. It'd be like letting it'd be letting me into a restricted area of the Pentagon because I'm filming a YouTube video. Like it's, it's the same sort of idea. It, it depends um, on how long it was before it then got released because it's the kind of thing that's, okay, this is redacted footage that can't be used until after a certain point. But yeah, I, I, you know, the thing is, like in the early seasons when Argus is mentioned, it is a, like a super secret, nobody knows who this organisation is kind of yeah. thing. And then by this point, like you say, there's a documentary crew popping in <laughs> to have a look and pretty much everyone knows what they are. And, and also their headquarters isn't particularly badly labelled either. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you see you see Emiko unmasked after a brutal fight and all that stuff. Like, and that's all on documentary film. So, um, I think they sh- I think um, those issues would have still existed if they'd stuck to the format for the whole episode. But at the same time, it would have been I think it would have been better to just live in that documentary for the full episode and then cut away to show Mia and so on at the end. Um, because they tried to have their cake and eat it too. I think, um, you know, because they, they, there should have been ways around showing us uh, those private conversations. So Oliver and Diggle go into a room and they have a chat about something that wouldn't normally be heard by other people. And we don't hear it, but we can sort of guess what they're talking about because we know them. I I would have been fine with that. And I'm sure we... I don't know if this was before the mid-season or not. I remember that we've had a conversation. I just can't remember if it was on the podcast or not. I'm the same as you. I really liked that episode from the way they did it. I liked the fact that they went, oh, we're going to try this documentary thing. I... I'm disappointed that they didn't just go full documentary with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I can't disagree with you on any of it, really. It's I mean, like, always, like you say, I'm always talking about how I love off-format episodes where you focus on another character or they focus on a different filming style or whatever else. And I think these shows don't do enough of that. So that, there was an opportunity that they didn't quite live up to. But they were so close, that's the yeah. thing. I mean, they did really well with what they did, yeah, I don't know if someone just lost the nerve. I I don't know if they shot it all as documentary, and did a few bits. Yeah. Otherwise, and then in the edit they went, "Oh, do you know what? We've got to put that conversation in, or we've got to put this bit in." Yeah. And then they tweaked it. I imagine they had all the stuff there that they could have shot it like a documentary. Yeah, definitely. Um. So, do you want to give us another Neil? Another Neil. Um. 
Okay, I'll go for a biggish one from my Neil because we've not really mentioned it yet. I've really been enjoying, and I'm sure I said it in the mid-season one as well, I've really enjoyed the flash-forwards instead of the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the storyline's been really good. I like that as it's a flash-forward, there's not the same sort of limitation of surprises. So if you see a character... Uh, in the flashback, for example, you could go, well, I know they're alive because they're alive now. Whereas with the sort of flash forwards, for want of a better thing, you don't have that same restriction. It's like they, they're still at risk. As much as you know, okay, they're not going to kill tons of them off. You, you still sort of have that element of surprise in there, I think, which is good. However, obviously showing them in the future then takes that away from the past storyline, which can be counterintuitive. Um, I've really enjoyed sort of seeing the the way the world turns out, the way the city turns out, um, and just sort of insights into sort of the characters' futures and things. I just think it's been a bit of a different thing instead of these constant flashbacks to uh, all those years that he definitely wasn't on an island. <laughs> yeah, I like the future stuff as well. Uh, it was good enough with William in it, and then I think once he introduced Mia. Well, no, when they first introduced Mia, she was kind of boring. She was like, oh, look, she's just a tough girl that fights in mm. cages. Boring. But then when they gave us a bit more of her, turns out she's Oliver and Felicity's daughter, that was really good stuff. Really, really interesting. And then the, the brother-sister dynamic that she struck up with um, with William was really good. I think her hatred of vigilantes and how quickly that was resolved could have been better. Uh, and also, you didn't get enough of a baseline for hatred of vigilantes because they wasted that future set episode by not showing enough of her upbringing to give you an idea of what sort of person she was before she left Felicity. You know, you, you get that kind of montage where Nyssa teaches her how to fight across her life, which was really good. I really mm. enjoyed seeing that. And then after that, you've got this no real idea of um, how Felicity and her relate to each other. Uh, and then she leaves and, and she hates vigilantes and then she resolves it by the end um, because of Diggle's adopted son who who talks about being the child of a superhero or child of a hero being like different and, and all that stuff but um, but that was really interesting stuff as you said I think they, well, they flipped the script a bit on what they did with the flashbacks before so the best flashback episodes they would thematically tie into what was going on in the present day so it'd be like it would almost be like something happens to Oliver and he's like, I remember that time on the island where something really similar happened and I learned a lesson from it that's going to apply here. It's like, okay, that that's not real life. It's narrative symmetry. You know, otherwise it's like... yeah. Otherwise it's just a flashback to some island event that that's pointless. And you did get that when they were dragging out the, the island storyline as well. In this, they were trying to do thematic ties to the past. So it was like the... It was almost like the past were acting as the flashbacks that lead into this lesson that's now relevant in the present day. But it's almost like you see these decisions being made and you know how terrible they are because you know how badly it's going to turn out for them. Renee's thinking about running for mayor of the Glades. It's like, oh God, maybe you don't want to do that uh, because of what will happen in the future and and so on and so on. Um, we still don't really know what happens though to make it all go completely upside down. Because it looks like some version of Team Arrow will still be operating under the police next season. For at least a while. So we still don't know. 
we don't we still don't know if this is actually the future that will ha- come to pass either do we well that's the thing i mean we don't know what's what's going to be changed and tweaked uh to it i would i would like to think it is going to be tweaked um i yeah i kind of have it down is our rise against I don't know if you want me to jump to another rise against <laughs> or not uh, at this point why the hell not Let's why the hell not okay so it's a bit of a weird thing to rise against however seeing that bleak future as much as I've said it's an interesting timeline to visit and it's an interesting bit to go I kind of feel that seeing that bleak timeline makes you think all of Oliver's crusade has completely failed. Like this, this story that we've been watching from season one of Oliver trying to tidy up the city and sort out everything that's been going on and and right the wrongs and and get the the place back on the right track completely fails. Mm-hmm. And I kind of put it as a bit of a rise against mainly that it's like it 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 sort of feels like. We've watched all these seasons of Oliver almost achieving his goal, but we now know that he's failed. He's not done it. He's not saved his city. The cities end up absolutely dire. Yeah, although it both fails and doesn't because there is hope in the future. Oh, yeah. There's, I, there's, there's hope at the end of the season where it's like, you can carry on this mission in your father's mm. memory and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, oh, no, there are still heroes out there. We did stop this big threat, and there's still hope for um, there's still hope for the future. Uh, it may take a bit longer for that hope to manifest, but does Crisis throw this out anyway? I, yeah, I think I think Crisis is the, like puts a big question mark over all sorts of the bleak futures that we've seen, and not just in Arrow as well. I mean, yeah. I know it's been mentioned in Legends, it's been mentioned in other shows as well. So I think this is got the this same darkness. timeline that Zari comes from. Yeah, I, um, the the more that the more that I've seen of it, and the more I've discussed it with you, the more I I I, I agree to be honest that this is kind be, of the dark path. It has to be the same timeline that Nora's from as well. You would think. Presumably, I mean the thing is like because Nora has like much of a more like bouncy persona, yeah. and the little bits that you've seen of the city when she's gone back um, when she's been in the future it hasn't seemed quite as bleak um, but, but that's maybe just Central City though yeah yeah I mean that's that's the thing it's maybe just Central City I mean the fact the fact that you've basically got this 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 walled garden that people are in and mm-hmm. it's not even that much of a garden within it if you know what I mean it still yeah. seems pretty brutal on the inside of that wall as well yeah I, I, I think you're right I think potentially Crisis is going to sort of tidy out a lot of those those timelines and try and make it seem like it ends up a bit more yeah. optimistic than it does and maybe this is one of those unifying things that they've done that went yeah. right okay the future at the moment is looking poor because of all these things that are about to happen yeah. And obviously that means if if Crisis is the end of this timeline, then that means the version of Mia and William that we've grown to... Well, that we've grown to love, perhaps, <laughs> uh, will, won't exist. Not in that way. I mean, they both exist because you see that Mia's born and so on, and, and William is obviously a bit older. Uh, but you don't really... It won't be the same sort of a thing. 
uh, unless this version of them is somehow able to exist in, in some weird crisis, post-crisis sort of reset kind of thing. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, the, the future is bleak and they're trying to bring down... They're essentially trying to make out make up for Felicity's mistake of inventing something that, that went completely haywire and fell into the wrong hands. And the, the way they set that up is, is kind of interesting. And the mystery of where Felicity is works reasonably well throughout. Especially like it when Mia's like introduced and um and she asks William if like um if she's if he's in a relationship with her or something like that. I can't remember the exact word in, but he replies <laughs> with, Ooh, gross, I'm gay and she's my mother <laughs> So just one of the best responses and I quite like seeing William pl- dre- well, he's he is actually a CEO. He wasn't playing dress up, but when he was walking into these meetings, acting like a big shot, I thought that was quite good. You know, I like that. Uh, I like the actor Ben something that plays him. Mm. Uh, I thought he was really good, and um, and then Mia trying to pretend to be his secretary. Uh, you know, it's like where, where's the where's the merger report? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm not used to that. <laughs> and then she, you know goes full all over Queen and just starts beating the crap out of everybody, which is, you know, which was fun to see. I like Catherine McNamara as well. I haven't really seen her in anything because I don't watch Shadowhunters, but she's really good in this. I think all of them have been pretty good in that in that storyline, to be honest. Uh, I think the acting's been pretty good and uh, the, the the characters have built up. I, I, I think you're right that, okay, we might not potentially, or their timeline is potentially going to be changed, but because they've said that Arrow is finishing next season. I'm not as hurt as I think I would have been, knowing that they were going to just sort of erase that. I've kind of grown attached to it a little bit, mm-hmm. and it'd be a shame for it just to be like, oh, and then we changed the timeline and it all disappeared. Yeah. However, knowing that that sort of Arrow itself isn't going on, I'm not as uh, as disappointed. I think as I would have been. But we could get a spin-off Arrow Kids. <laughs> Arrow, the next generation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. Uh, but they, they certainly left off with that kind of, you guys can continue on, you guys continue fighting for what your dad stood for, and so on. And, um, and, and obviously the reveal that Oliver is, well, he has a gravestone, that doesn't mean he's dead. Um, although he does seem to die, but we'll get on to the kind of ending soon. Uh, we won't talk about it yet. So, have you got anything else to say about the future, or shall I move on? No, I think I have marked off my two bits that I had put down as the future. I had one Neil and I had one Rise. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I've covered off a couple of things from there. So, um, I'm going to go with a Neil. Um, yeah, I'm going to kneel before Felicity's arc. I think the... So she started off the season a very dark place, very desperate to get Oliver back, desperate to do whatever it takes to get her to get him back. Once he's out of prison, she finds it difficult to shake that, so she's on constantly on edge, waiting for... Waiting for the hammer to drop, basically. Waiting for that attack to come that takes Oliver away from her. And she wants to do... She kind of gets obsessed with security and, and all this stuff. And she gets obsessed with killing Diaz as well. And then they break up for an episode or two, which is crap. Um, and there, it's resolved when she thinks that Oliver is Barry in Elseworlds. That's... Yeah, never mind that. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I liked her arc in, that set, in the terms of... 
what it was she was willing to do and what led to her realising that she was she was going a bit too far. And I think her real friendship with Evil Laurel worked out worked really well. I think um so these shows don't necessarily Supergirl being the exception, don't necessarily write women very well. You know, we talked about in the Flash podcast that you can totally listen to. We talk about how Caitlin, the best thing they can give her is a new costume at the end of the season that we won't see until next season because we have to have something to look forward to. Uh, you know, women like clothes. Let's give her new clothes. Yay! Uh, but they don't write her particularly well. Uh, this show does a lot better with women. I mean, Dinah manages to be interesting without without worrying about what gender she happens to be. Mia was interesting. Um, you know, you've had Nissa, you've had Sarah, they're interesting characters. Thea, God, I miss Thea. Uh, Emiko, to an extent, even though you didn't like her. Uh, and <laughs> So, Felicity and Evil Laurel's friendship, and I think what they did with Evil Laurel by building her up towards her own redemption was great. The episode where she thought that it all was lost because... Her connection to Diaz was made public and she goes, she just goes back to her old ways, was really good. And it's Felicity that brings her back from that because it's, you know, I think, well, me and Andrew talked about this during the, the Cloak and Dagger podcast. There's an episode that's kind of about regression, how characters will get to a certain point and then they'll suffer a setback and they'll regress back to what they, what they knew, what they were good at, what was comfortable for them. So this kind of redemption is uncomfortable for Evil Laurel and, um, and she kind of loses her way a bit, but finds her way back. And that's the episode that Sarah's in as well. How good is that? So, uh, so yeah, I, I suppose I'm kneeling less before Felicity and kneeling more before her friendship with Evil Laurel and what they did with Evil Laurel, I think. Um, I never quite managed to drop that moniker, the Evil Laurel bit, when I was writing the reviews. I wrote her as Evil Laurel until, the last, um, until her last appearance, but I think that's potentially unfair. She, she redeems herself. She definitely does, and I think that um, they did really well with that, and part of that was that genuine friendship and the kind of antagonistic bit that she had with Dinah that was back and forth. That was good as well. I like that they had a bit of fun with it. They did make her play about uh, Evil Laurel with people a bit, and I like that, that occasionally that... Um, that sharp twist would sort of come out and she would use it to to get an advantage as a DA, which I, I thought was quite neat. Um, a bit of sharp wits every once in a while, quick jibes at others. Yeah. The um, relationship with um, Felicity, uh, you're bob on with that. I, I, I liked that, that little sort of team-up duo that they had going on. Um Especially when Oliver was away, is like a, a, a like a support structure. Having someone else sort of uh, strong that could help her through it and give her advice. Plus that um, trying to get back the pair of them trying to get back at Diaz, uh, I thought was was pretty neat to be honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm not going to argue against that. Totally. totally yeah. Fine. Plus, giving Felicity a female actual female friend feels a bit novel because. Does she ever have that? I mean, I don't know. Like, I was having a discussion with, with someone, actually, well, I mean, not that I need that qualifier as such, but I was having that discussion with a female friend of mine who was talking about how they, they think that Felicity is the kind of woman that other women don't like. You know, if 
maybe well maybe people, women that watch the show enjoy her but if you knew her if you're a woman and you knew her, i mean I'm, neither of us are women right but <laughs> you slash, i don't believe i don't believe yeah. so <laughs> i don't know maybe like in the context of the show she's that kind of woman that other women just don't seem to get along with i mean i've always got that impression because let's face it most of our friends are men uh, and so you've got like brunette felicity but she exists to be a brunette version of her uh, what is her name again alina that's it alina yeah alina's like her friend but they seem to more get along with each other than you know because of their shared interest rather than anything else uh, so I don't know. Maybe um, maybe some female listeners, if you exist, can let me know whether you think Felicity is a woman that doesn't get along with other women, that because other women don't like her. This was a female friend of mine that that did tell me this, so it made me think about it in an interesting way because that's a perspective I just don't have. I mean, I'm I don't understand the whole concept of you know women that exist that other women just innately don't like. But I'm aware that it sort of exists. Yeah, but I don't have any context for it. Because I can't think of any men that other men don't like as well. You know, it seems to be a... Not to get all gendered, but it seems to be a weirdly... A weird problem that exists between those... For that gender. I don't know, I'm trying not to offend anybody here. (laughs) (laughs) So... You, you can walk that type rope alone, my friend. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe Pikachu will help me. <laughs> no, um, so you know, I kind of I don't really know what I'm getting at here, but I think that what I'm basically trying to say is it's good to have good that Felicity actually has a female friend, and that's that's something a bit new and something a bit different. That was it. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to give us your final rise? I'm uh, I'm down by one on the whole rise column, so we'll have to figure that out because you, again, failed to follow instructions properly. And sorry, is that because <laughs> that is that because I jumped one? Because it's because you doubled up. Is it is it is it wrong if I if I kneel before the fact that Diaz is finally dead? No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Let's go for that. Diaz is finally dead. Uh, it, it took so long, but then finally, he's gone. I mean, don't get me wrong, the nature of his passing was not what I wanted. However, he's now gone. Um, I don't know, I think Emiko setting fire to him is, is quite a <laughs> hefty end. I'm not clear why she did that, but... Um, I, I don't know, it just seemed like in uh, Chris McCrell's rule of television deaths... Um, I, I keep getting annoyed without the decapitated uh, corpses. <laughs> However, I feel that uh, Diaz actually disappeared, which you don't get very often in Arrowverse shows. It's normally there is some ambiguity as to whether they may or may not have survived. You know, it's like they'll be stabbed in the heart and then they'll fall off the cliff into some water or into a river, or you know, the building will explode and you'll just assume they definitely didn't get out of the building alive. Um, whereas I, I was, I was quite happy to finally see uh, Diaz go. I suppose I should kind of tie this in to low budget Suicide Squad, unless you've got that. Have you got that as a specific thing yourself? No, no, no. Or no is um, that... I was actually just going to bring it up as part of this. Well, you got it. Okay, that's yeah. cool. So I, I will put it in as part of this because I've, I've kind of put, I kind of put Diaz finally dead, and then I've got low budget Suicide Squad next to it, 
where they're like, okay, we're not allowed to say suicide squads. Okay, what are we calling it? Uh, Ghost Initiative? Uh, that'll do. Uh, bombs and Head Squads uh, as, as well for it. Yeah, I just I didn't quite get it. It was like, yeah, we're going to have Diaz and we're going to send them on a heist and it's totally not going to go wrong. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's going to go wrong. And it was all that stuff with like, the, the holodeck... Like, where, <laughs> yeah. I want to prove that this guy's a scumbag, so I'll put him in a holographic recreation where he's going to like try and kill me and stuff like that. And then that was a bit weird, but yeah, I think he hung around too much longer than he should have. I think once Oliver got out of prison and left him in his cell, that should have been it. He should have died at that point because it did seem like he was going to die. Because didn't Oliver like stab him or something like that, and he survived it? Yeah, that it was like they did that final bit where they were like, "Oh no, no, he's still there." The Argus have got him, and it's like, yeah. "Yeah, that that just didn't seem necessary." It's like at that point, at that point, he should have been gone. It, there was no point in keeping him around. Yeah, um, he had already served his purpose as a motivation for Felicity pushing on the security stuff. He had already done what he needed to do with Oliver to try and get his closure. Um. There was other ways that they could have gone. Oh, we need to get information on Dante. Let's let's get it from you know. They could have invented on anyone at that yeah. point and gone. Oh, we've found out that he's accountants. This guy, or he's yeah. got a middleman in town, and he's going to be visiting on Tuesday. All oh, right, we'll capture him. Yeah, you know, it it just you didn't need it to be Diaz. I think he just hung about for too long after having him for so long the season before. Yeah. It, and you know his inexplicable rise to the top. Talk about Amico's rise to the top by bloody Diaz <laughs> and his superpowers that disappeared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that serum that did absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, well, it did something, then counted for nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, I, I was I was glad that we we got an exit. He went up in flames. We are presumably not going to be seeing him again unless. Well, actually, uh, uh, we can talk about that in a bit. Crisis, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was about to say, well, we're not going to see him again. And then I was like, oh, no, they're totally going to bring back each of the villains, aren't they? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> At least it did allow for a decent exit for Curtis, though. You know, where he... True. I mean, he was having doubts about his role at Argus throughout the season. And then uh, D- uh, Diggle wanted to give him, like, a job of doing, like, the R&D. And it was his... And it was his call, whatever he wanted to do, and then he was like, nah, I'm going to go away and do whatever I want, and that was it. And then, he, I mean, he does come back in the final episode, but there is that finality to it, and it's the... And, and it's his... I mean, he can come back as many times as he wants, I suppose, but it's the idea that he's out of the life, and he's he's building something on his own. Um, That was good. Yeah, but Diaz, I mean, I was fed up with Diaz when he was the main villain of last season, so, you know, I was sick of him this season. I was like, why is he still here? And eventually they got rid of him. So good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was good. I mean, I, we've we've chatted about similar developments to characters in, in Flash. Yeah. Uh, where they sort of decide that they're going to move on and such. Mm-hmm. And I think they did very, very well with Curtis and Arrow sort of putting his motivations in there um, for why he would want to move on. Yeah. Um, they signposted it a lot better. They sort of handled it throughout really they've given these hints before it's not like he just suddenly came up with it and went no 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 i'm not i'm not gonna have this life anymore yeah they've sort of slowly gone there and yeah i think that made it a lot better yeah uh i think for so i don't really have that many 
too many things to rise against because I really liked this season. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a really good, really good setup. One thing I'm going to rise against, and it's kind of a minor niggle, and it's a niggle, a niggle I have with other shows as well when they do this. Uh, and I'll probably make this my final one, even though I technically have one left, unless I think of something else after this. Uh, but it's revealing that Diggle is uh, his real, his full name is actually John Diggle Stewart because he has a foster father who's General Stewart. Uh, the reason I have a niggle with this problem is base, this basically turns Diggle into John Stewart, who is a Green Lantern. And we've had this teased in Elseworlds when uh, Barry Allen from Earth-90 turns up and says, John, where's your ring? Uh, therefore suggesting that John Diggle is a Green Lantern. So my thinking is, next year, possibly during the Crisis event, which may serve as Arrow's final episode, we're going to get some kind of setup that reveals that Diggle is the Green Lantern. He will become the Green Lantern of the Arrowverse. Uh, and I don't like this for the reason that since Diggle's introduction in the very first episode of the show, he has been his own man. So he's a character that didn't exist in the comics, has since been brought into the comics, because he's a new guy. He's new, he's, you know, he's cemented himself as like Oliver's best friend in this show. And he's he's great. So why does he need to be another character? Why does he need to be our already existing character? And I had the same issue with Daisy, uh, Daisy, comma, Sky in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, which I've kind of since gotten over because she's been she's been Daisy a lot longer than she's been, she was ever Sky. So, yeah, okay, that's maybe who she was supposed to be. But this is John Diggle. Like, he doesn't need to be John Stewart. Just because they have a similar backstory and now he is the name. I don't like it. I agree with you. I mean, I'm not that up on my DC comics, as I've said on these podcasts before. Um, I, 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 I like the fact that John has been his own character. It's it's something that's been paved out. I don't see why they're dropping this in now, except if they're going to use it in the upcoming crossover stuff. I don't think it's particularly going to spin out so that we get a Diggle Lantern show presumably um i doubt it yeah i doubt it so i don't i don't get why at this stage okay they did a hint last season or like a throwaway line type thing you don't need to then go all oh, right season, oh. but yeah was it was it was elseworlds of course yeah. all right okay <laughs> So yeah so they did the throwaway line and then they've done the sort of semi confirmation thing I, it it has the reek of maybe being on someone's to-do list. Hmm. Like they went, oh, at some point, oh, we're going to do this massive turnaround where it turns out that Diggle is dot, dot, dot. And they've went, oh, we're going to do it this season. No, we won't do it this season. Uh, we've, got this, we've got this going on and that going on, so we won't do it this season. Uh, we'll do it next season. What about this season? Ah, nah, nah, we've got stuff on this season. All right, we'll do it next season. And then someone's went this season's like, oh, sod it, I'm just going to write it in. (laughs) I'm just going to sneak it in. Let's see if we'll get this past someone. You know, it's like, why are we filming this line? No reason, no reason. (laughs) It's it's just an alt, it's just an alt line. We won't use it, we won't use it, boss. And then they've put it in. And I don't know, I just, 
it, it doesn't seem necessary for me. It, it's like they've got enough already. Yeah. Um, there's enough new shows announced. There's enough characters spread out <laughs> across all these shows. I'd suppose. Okay. Do you know what? If there, if you know, I know that we're we're going to get on to talking about future stuff and whatever. If it gives them something to play with for a purpose and not just, oh, we can finally say that we got a Green Lantern into into Arrowverse, like take it off a list yeah. or something. You know, let's test the water with this or let's, let's throw it in there. Then fine. If it, is, if it is just that, don't bother. Just don't. You don't need to. You've got enough powerful characters in there. You've got enough you know, aliens, super people, normal power people, just great characters. Use them. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a sign, on the other hand, that they are going to throw an absolute ton of stuff at this. In which case, then, it might actually be a reason to get excited because they might just be going all out there and uniting a ton of different content. Um, yeah, I'd, I'm... I'm on the fence about some of it, but yeah, I'm a bit like you. It just doesn't seem something that they could put, they should be putting in here at this point. Yeah. It seems like, okay, we're at the end of the show now. Why would you just suddenly drop that at this point, apart from the fact that you're like, ah, well, we might as well because we've only got a few episodes left. Or it's almost like the season eight ran out of ideas, or season seven we've run out of ideas. Quick, family members that we didn't know about before, throw them in. Diggle is a stepdad. Sure, he's never talked about his dad, so yeah, let's go for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I actually really liked what they did with his with his stepdad. I thought that was really good stuff because Diggle was um, all set for hating him, and Oliver was like, yeah, "He seems like a good guy, but I'm on your side." But he seems like a good guy. Maybe you should listen. <laughs> and it's like that thin line about you know I want to support my friend, but I also want to like give him that. I want to give him that little bit extra push in that direction to, to maybe not waste this relationship, maybe not like cling on to this resentment because if someone knows, if anyone knows about clinging on to resentment, it's Oliver Queen uh, <laughs> so, you know and it's, and it was him using the benefit of experience and giving him the benefit of his unconditional friendship to be like maybe you should step back from this, maybe you should you know think about it and it's pretty easy for them to find out that um, that it was Diggle's real father wasn't the hero he thought thought of him as, and I thought that line at the end of the episode where it was like, "Why didn't you say anything?" So General Stewart says to him, "Every child deserves to believe that his father is a hero," and he was happy to be hated for like his entire life up to this point, so that Diggle believes that his father is a hero, and it's almost like this is a this is a bit of a litmus test for his own parenthood. Because he's about to adopt a child at some point in the near future. Uh, as we know from the future timeline. So this is like, this is how to be a good stepfather. And it's going to be Bronze Tiger's son. Um, because we saw that, saw his son and it was the mm. same name and stuff. So, um, so he's going to adopt him and it's going to be, yeah, so he's going to, whatever happens to Bronze Tiger, he's going to have to say, or Ben, well, we'll call him Ben, um, He's going to have to tell this this child that you know that Ben went out, died a hero, that kind of thing, um, and maybe he will die a hero. He seems like a good guy these days, but uh, 
so that, I thought that was really strong stuff, really interesting stuff. And how great is it that Ernie Hudson was playing his stepfather? <laughs> Just, I mean, literally, you want to get a father for Diggle? Who are you going to call? Uh, Ghostbusters? Yeah. <laughs> Ernie Hudson was in Ghostbusters. Uh, I thought you were a nerd. What's going on? You didn't know this? I'm very tired. <laughs> So that was good. I, I liked that part, but I didn't like... I don't like that he's John Diggle Stewart or John... Sh- you know, I don't like that he's probably the Green Lantern. Yeah, I mean, see, the thing is, it's like, if they're going to go this far, right? So here's the here's here's both ways of it could go. They either hint at it, they take it this far, they do absolutely nothing with it from now on, <laughs> right? Yeah. They do it... They've gauged fan reaction. They've got the little articles going, oh my God, it's been confirmed that dot, dot, dot. Right? They've got all that publicity bit that they wanted out of it and they do nothing with it from now on and just yeah. leave people sitting there going, eh, what, what, hang on, what, eh, hang. <laughs> you didn't do anything with it. Or they're going to go for it. Uh, and then the balance is, de- depends on how the rest... Or you'll see him from another go. Earth and he'll be a Green Lantern on yes. the Earth or something, yeah. Like, I think we'll see Diggle in a Green Lantern costume by the end of the season. Whether it'll be this Diggle or not is another story. But by the end of the series, sorry, we've already seen the end of the season. So we'll see him in a Green Lantern costume. We'll see David Ramsey in the Green Lantern garb before the end of the series. Whether it be this version of him or not. Is unknown, but we will see a version of him. I'm predicting that right now. I will not argue with your prediction. <laughs> okay. Do you want to give us your final rise? I think I know what it is. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I'm going to go for the ongoing massacring of IT and Arrow. <laughs> I mean, I I have a lot of time for Arrow. I have a lot of like we we debate things like time travel. And the abilities of, you know, magic and all sorts of things on these shows. But the IT wizardry that (laughs) happens on this show makes me howl on a regular basis. (laughs) Um, My favourite one uh, this season was uh, when uh, the Assassin's lot are running about and they're like, do you know what, we're going to steal Archer. And they break into the office where they've been building Archer. And around the office are all these servers with all the blinking lights on. Uh, You know, pretty much the old style with a cartridge tape spinning in them. And, you know, it's all up, all this tech lying about. And it turns out Archer isn't on any of that big stuff. (laughs) Archer, Archer is on a tablet that's on the table. Then it's not even a big looking tablet thing. It's it's like someone's phone slightly supersized. It's on a phablet. It's, it's yeah. And and that's what they walk out with. Meanwhile, in the future, where let's presume technology has got smaller, Archer is a friggin' wall. Archer's <laughs> huge. <laughs> now, granted, Mini Archer was sort of watching the city via satellite and able to track people, whereas, you know, future Archer is watching everyone's dna across a smaller portion of that same city so let's let's just pre- presume that second archer is not as efficient as the first but what well, has those like soldiers that it, it does it does but i mean they were built after the big wall with archer in it 
maybe the big wall was to create capacity for those soldiers to be yeah future future proofing because you know yeah anyway you can't you so you can't install software on a tablet and then let it spread its wings on servers then no hey well you could use the tablet to access the software which is on the servers However, if that was the case, when they ran away with the tablet, you could just stop it speaking to the servers, and then the problem would be yeah. solved. But according to according to Arrow's logic, you've got um, you, what you've essentially got is you've got a cow that's in a very small paddock, and then or a horse that's in a very small paddock. Let's say horse because you know they're faster. It's in a very small paddock. You open that paddock, and it can gallop across a um, it can gallop across a large meadow. Yeah, that, that's basically their their take on it. Yeah. Hmm. That's like funny. like you can have it. You can have it going out and accessing resources that are stored elsewhere from the tablet. I don't imagine that Archer itself is running on that tablet. Anyway, hmm. it's a minor niggle for me, and it just makes me hoot. And I'm sure people have similar things from like their own day jobs or whatever. Be it pilots, drivers, anything. You know, <laughs> archers, genuine archers, I imagine, love this program, for example, um, where you look at stuff and you go, that's not how that works. I mean, nothing nothing will beat the whole internet being in a big room somewhere. Uh, that that was another one uh, that was just brilliant. But the, this, se- this season's The Internet in One Room was Archer on a Tablet. Um, and just like, getting nicked, and it's like, oh, I've not got a second copy of Archer on, I don't know, another tablet, maybe. And it's like, no, I just kept it all on this one. She saved the root code, though. Yeah, well, no, someone else saved the root code. It wasn't even her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like someone just took a copy of it. And like, right. I don't, I don't know what she took it away on a floppy disk, presumably. If, <laughs> if, if the whole of the whole of Archer's on the tablet, I'm guessing she got away with a copy of the root code on a floppy. So the final Neil before of the evening uh, is going to segue as in naturally to the end of episodes and the end of season and start of next season discussion. So the ending, the ending of the episode. I thought it was great. Uh, so Oliver and Felicity, they, after saving the city, they decide to head off to the cabin and raise their daughter. And it all seems pretty idyllic, pretty nice. And then the monitor shows up, which I honestly did not expect to happen in this episode. Um, mostly because... Before this point, I've always expected them to keep the kind of crossovery stuff contained to the crossovers. So the fact that the monitor is spilling out into everything at the end of the seasons um, really has me feeling confident about what they're going to do with that character and what they're going to do with Crisis as an event because it is it is a huge deal uh, and so much that's impacted Arrow. And it's like, think about this kind of rustic little crime show that started in season one and now you've got an interdimensional being showing up to claim the deal that he made with Oliver Queen in one episode you know (laughs) it's crazy it's crazy development but um so the monitor turns up to take Oliver and it seems like they're going on a bit of a dimension hopping trip but him saying goodbye to Felicity him saying goodbye to Mia um and then you sort of shore that up with a future scene where they stand in front of Oliver's grave um, whether we'll see him die in the event or not is unknown, or whether that death is just well, he's basically dead because he ain't coming back to this timeline or this universe. Or yeah, this, some something uh, stops him getting back. Um, I mean, I think we yeah. talked about it in our commiserations of Arrow ending podcast, where it was like maybe we'll 
he won't actually die, but he, you know, as far as everyone's concerned, he is. Um, but we know what that deal he made with the monitor is is that he will sac- essentially sacrifice himself and do what needs to be done in order to save Barry and Kara from their stupid plan during the last day Elseworlds episode. Let's slow down time by running around the earth really fast. It's like, no, that doesn't <laughs> work. doesn't work. What are you doing that for? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Barry, stop changing the timeline. <laughs> like, Leave it alone. Jesus. Can you give us five minutes without changing the last five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Oliver goes away on some dimension hopping thing and then Felicity later joins him because it's clear that she's getting taken away for some reason and it's probably to be with Oliver where or whenever he happens to be. Yeah, I mean, and the, the discussion with the monitor is that, you know, you know, once you go there, you can never come back and she accepts yeah. that, which suggests to me that he isn't dead. It's just wherever he ends up, there's no way he can get back to his proper... Yeah. Uh, proper timeline, which I think... 20 years from now, they can be together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I I kind of accept that. And I accept that she would go, listen, I'm not going until I know that my kids are, are all right and that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Then I'm going to, you know, then I'm going to go. I know that there's people looking out for everyone. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a great end to the episode. I liked the little... Sort of, they arrive at the house, and then you sort of fast forwards a little bit, and you see little snapshots. Yeah, um, I think it's a. I think I. I kind of felt for him when it was like that. Oh, you're early, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like, oh no, I thought I had a couple of like years of of happy family life. I thought I had until twenty twenty four. Yeah, well, you can blame your friend for that. Yeah, have you spoken to Barry recently? <laughs> like, oh, Christ, Barry! I'll allow you one phone call. <laughs> yeah. hey, have a look under your address book maybe organise it by surname go for somewhere round about the top and pick one of those names that you think might have changed the timeline and <laughs> messed up your uh, messed up your plans yeah, um, yeah I've, I think I, I am like you I was not expecting anything like this until the crossover or maybe like an episode or so before that they might jump yeah. in a little bit earlier on this um, the fact that they went for it, and they they basically, you know, staked their claim right now that okay, Arrow is definitely kicking it off, um, from the beginning of its new season. Um, I think it's great. It's sort of a good statement of intent for them. Um, I've said in the in the flashcast, and I'm sure I'll say it in in the others as well, that if they have planned this as well as we hope. And you know, then I I look forward to seeing it. You know what I mean? It's it's like for them to to dedicate Arrow's final season to the entirety of this. I don't know what else we're going to see. Are we going to be jumping between Oliver's you know exploits in the multiverse, and I don't know Diggle trying to deal with people trying to sell drugs on the dockside <laughs> in a warehouse? I don't. I I don't know. See, the thing is, it's like they're either going to do it as a massive celebration of Arrow by mm. getting him facing off different varieties of villains that he's already conquered, you know, or different versions of the team that he's going to have to try and pull together every time. Yeah. Um, you know, using using resources that are available to him, which is something that 
that Oliver has always been good at is you know he's in a situation he's got a bunch of people you know maybe not the people that he would want in that situation but he makes the best of it yeah I I, I don't know I I really don't know what to expect and I hope that it isn't the end for the crew that we've grown used to I think it would be a shame if we went oh and at that point their story now just is gone Mm-hmm. and now we're on exploits of the multiverse and then it's going to finish I think it would be good to get a, a send off from them but I just don't know how they're going to how they're going to bridge that gap Yeah. Uh, and even if they're going to be doing the future story you know we haven't even mentioned if they're going to do the future storyline as well at the same time so that you're potentially going to be jumping about between three different plot lines really so yeah so what I think what I think is going to happen um, is we're going to have we're going to have three main narratives next season, and that doesn't and there's only ten episodes, but it doesn't mean we have to cover each three of them, all three of them in one episode. So you can have because I think it would be a shame to ditch Team Arrow as it exists now because we're probably mm. going to need it for the crossover anyway, you know because it is going to be Earth One and Earth Supergirl Thirty Eight uh, will be the kind of two main focuses of it because Earth One has Batwoman, Earth One which is involved, Earth One has the Arrow Gang, Earth Earth One has the Flash, Earth Thirty Eight has Supergirl and nothing else. Um, oh, and I suppose Jimmy, because yeah, yeah, let's have him. Why not? Um, <laughs> and the Martian Manhunter, and yeah, yeah, blah blah blah. But there is only one show on on Supergirl's Earth um, at the moment, anyway. Uh, so yeah, you could have Diggle trying to keep the streets clean. I mean, they could maybe set up this timeline that we're about to see unfold. Uh, so well, they still have to deal with Diggle adopting his child and all this kind of stuff. So you've not done that yet. Uh, Oliver dimension hopping with the monitor, going from universe to universe, just like doing stuff, carrying out little tasks, building up towards crisis. Uh, maybe he jumps into the future timeline, meets his daughter. Who knows? Uh, and you would have the future timeline, which may continue with, um, with with those characters doing stuff. And then you can obviously have. The present day characters in there as well, like Dinah and so on. Um, so I think that's going to be the three pillars of season eight, all ten episodes of it, or all nine episodes of it, and then presumably the the Elseworlds episode, not Elseworlds, the Crisis episode, which will probably be a season finale. We know Felicity's not going to be there, but in the present day, it makes no sense for her to be there because that's when she's raising Mia and Nissa's dropping in every now and again to beat her up. <laughs> so, uh, so that's that's what's happening there. We already know what's happening there. We already know there's nothing there. Um, and she won't be in the future either because that's her gone from that as well. So I, I would, I'm not going to bet money on it, but I'd be almost willing to bet that Felicity will turn up for the final episode, you know, the, or the cr- entire crossover. Uh, I think it's guaranteed that she will show up at some point, and you've got to have that that finisher out there yeah um it either will be that she won't really show up for anything and then you'll get to see the moment that she's reunited with him like basically the moments following what we have seen in this final episode well that's possible or it could be that yeah it could be that she's involved in the crossover all over's off doing something else and they never actually meet until that final moment i think i think there'll be heavy hints at oh felicity's managed to get us this information or this yeah. thing because you still see the fact that she had her little 
sort of secret, yeah. her little lair thing. So, okay, yeah, we might not see her, but I think there'll be a lot of, like, oh, I got this from, or Felicity has done whatever. I don't see them instantly jumping to try and get someone in a chair to be Overwatch for them. Mm. Yeah. Or they could have brunette Felicity doing that. They could do, they could do. I mean, because the thing is, it's like, the people that are obvious to take over aren't really there. So, like, Curtis, you would have thought, okay, Curtis would then slip into that position like he has in the past. That's not going to happen, presumably. And then Felicity being away, like I say, I think you'll maybe get fleeting cameo stuff of Felicity, but I don't think you'll get anything much. No. So, yeah, it's sort of Felicity replacement because she's been kind of teased a bit in this season, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with that. I mean, I have no idea what to actually expect because it hasn't... It ends uniquely in terms of other seasons. So, yeah, we don't know. Usually you have a vague idea of what the setup is, but now we just don't. And that excites me. It really does excite me. Yeah. You've still got the nine circle floating about. They've kind of thrown that around. I I mean, the thing is, with... With, like, a dimension-hopping, time-twisty, multiverse storyline going on is going to be really difficult to keep engaged if it's, oh, there's a bunch of really rubbish assassins that we've got to take out in this warehouse. But, but what I've always said about... You know when they do these things where they increase the stakes in these shows over the years? Yeah. Like, you can go back to smaller stakes. It just has to be difficult for those involved. So, part of the charm of Arrow is the street-level side of it. It's these people, you know, it's these people that don't really have powers. I mean, they kind of have powers, uh, but not really. Fighting against forces that, you know, that, that have greater resource than them in terms of manpower or whatever. They're fighting against a, a system, a corruption, they're fighting against crime, they're fighting they're just fighting to protect people and the city that they live in. So it'd be good to keep that with Diggle in charge of the team. Um that's why I kinda of thought that I mean whether he puts on the, the Green Arrow costume and gets his harpoon cun back out or not, we don't know. Uh and I kind of thought they were going to try that with Emiko, where they, you know, have her be the Green Arrow. Maybe Roy will be the Green Arrow. Uh, who knows? But I think if they lose sight of that, it will lose sight of what the show is. And especially in its final season, you want to preserve that. Yeah. I, that That's partly why I'm not disappointed that its final season is going to be dominated by it because I've at the same time I've also said that I'm kind of excited for it. Yeah. It's like it's one of those things that you want Arrow to go out as Arrow. Yeah. And not Arrow to go out as a big crossover event that well, that's inevitable. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. It's like it it's like I'm I'm sure they will do a good job of giving it a big send-off because at the end of the day it is the show that started all these other yeah. shows that were, you know, that we've grown to like, and we we talked about it in the the podcast about the cancellation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, like you say, it's how you bring it back to Earth, back to that team, um, back to giving them like a a, a decent send off without it being sort of washed over by the spectacle of everything else that's going on. Yeah, and it might be that actually that happens 
midway through the the 10 episodes you know that they go right okay it's going to go nuts after this so we're going to try and tie up as much as we can and give everyone a decent a decent run in this particular episode and then you know that it's all going to all going to change yeah they've certainly got a challenge here and they've got their work cut out for them and i have some confidence that the the collective that that puts all this together can do it and i think that they can i They've been planning it for so long. It's been teased for ages. You've got to think that they've got a plan for it. They yeah. they will not have jumped to this lightly. Um, it's a massive undertaking for them all, all the showrunners and all the the writers. Um, I would hate to be the person that's trying to plot all this together on a, a map somewhere and plot out who's going to chat to who. Have- It'll be on Cisco's transparent whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna borrow they're gonna borrow Cisco's whiteboard and they'll be sitting there drawing multiple different timelines and uh yeah, and uh all all they need to do is at the same time fold a piece of paper in half and puncture it with a pen and they'll have the whole thing sorted out. Yeah. Um but yeah, the the yeah, I, I don't envy them in their task to try and tie this together. Uh, I'm sure we'll either be full of high praise or high criticism or maybe balanced both uh, when we see it all. Yeah, we'll see how that goes and we'll plan some podcasty stuff around the endings and, and whatever else. But I think that's us. I think we've covered it. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of our new format, listeners? Let us know. Please do. We'd love to know. It seems to be a bit shorter for us. No, not by much, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We still we take a shorter format and we make it longer. Yeah, that's um, it. <laughs> uh, so that's it. So yes, we will be back next season with bells on, ready to say goodbye to the show that we've spent eight years watching, or will have spent eight years watching by the time it mm-hmm. finishes. Uh, so that's that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go back to whatever timeline, whatever universe, whatever whatever it is you belong to now. Um, you have my permission. Uh, thank you. Thank you for letting me go. I will see you on Crisis on multiple podcasts. Crisis on infinite podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> that, that just sounds like my life. Just <laughs> podcasts. Um, so I'm going away to find a universe that I can live in. That was our discussion on Season 7 of Arrow. Thanks to YouTubers Dagma and Neil Stenson for the supplied music. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then please do bullseye that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, don't forget to leave us a star rating and a comment. If you want to talk about Arrow, the Arrowverse, or anything else, then you can find us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next... Kneel before pot.